Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices, speaking with Dr. Rebecca Hansen, who is the primary author of a paper entitled An Integrated Clinical and Specialty Pharmacy Practice Model for Management of Patients with Multiple Sclerosis. Dr. Hansen is clinical liaison pharmacist in specialty pharmacy services and clinical assistant professor at the College of Pharmacy, University of Illinois Hospital and Health Sciences System, or UI Health in Chicago. Rebecca, let's begin by having you give our listeners an overview of the practice setting in which this service is provided. Sure, you bet. I'll give you a little background about our practice sites. UI Health is an academic medical center that consists of seven health sciences colleges. It also has a 495-bed level 2 trauma center hospital, and it's home to an outpatient care clinic that has numerous interdisciplinary uh, clinics. Um, Most of them are specialty clinics including uh, GI, rheumatology, hepatology, pulmonary, cardiology, um, just to name a few. It's also home to multiple pharmacist-managed clinics, including a medication therapy management clinic, an antithrombosis clinic, and smoking cessation clinic. On campus, we have seven outpatient pharmacies, and we have one integrated specialty pharmacy service that's part of an ambulatory care pharmacy service, and we're also affiliated with the College of Pharmacy. Our outpatient pharmacy provides a number of services, including discharge, outpatient infusions, mail order, as well as medication assistance for those that are in financial need. Uh, Those are just to name a few. And then for our University of Illinois Specialty Pharmacy Service, it's really a centralized service that provides a connection between patients, providers, and pharmacies to fill gaps in care and provide a continuous path of communication for the management of specialty pharmacy products. Um, We do work with numerous specialty clinics, including GI rheumatology, hepatology, pulmonary hypertension, sickle cell, as well as neurology. In fact, the MS program, which we highlight in the paper, is a subspecialty of the neurology clinic. And we have two dedicated attendings, a registered nurse, residents on rotation, and one clinical pharmacist that's dedicated to the program. Mm Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, you you mentioned in the paper that before this service that you described was instituted, there were notable problems in the care of MS patients. What were those problems? Yeah, our providers had verbalized a number of issues that they were having in accessing the medications, specifically with disease-modifying therapies for the treatment of MS. There's a unique way of accessing these medications. A number of them may be accessed through open access, which means that any pharmacy could dispense the medication. But in order to get access to certain services like prior authorization services or insurance coordination, specialty pharmacy coordination, home injection training, things like that, you need to go through one of the manufacturer-sponsored MS support networks. So because of that, that's the route that a lot of health systems choose by using this type of referral process. Also, the medications are quite costly, so sometimes financial issues can be a barrier for patients. And there's also a high rate of non-adherence associated with disease-modifying therapies, and that's due to a number of factors. You know, For instance, with the injectable products, 
There may be injection site phobia or injection site reactions. Some patients may have insufficient training or due to the frequency of injections, it leads to a, a potential non-adherence with the medications themselves. The main problem, though, was really accessing the product through this referral system. What was reported to us by the providers, one of their biggest concerns is that there's a significant lag time from the time that a decision was made to initiate treatment to the time that the patient was actually initiated on therapy. There were significant delays and sometimes even up to two months or more what was reported to us. And this is really because of the multiple handoffs that needed to be done and the coordination with three or more entities outside the system for just one prescription to be dispensed. So there was really a lot of back and forth between the referral network and the specialty pharmacy in the insurance company, which took a lot of coordination and took a lot of valuable time away from the provider team to be right. able to coordinate this. Mm-hmm. So the whole genesis, the whole evolution of the specialty pharmacy service at UI Health was to help take some of that burden off of the provider team to be able to help early on with getting access to the specialty medication, to get medication initiated earlier in a more expedited manner, and then, of course, to help with ongoing management, to help with some of these adherence-related problems. Sure. Well, give us a sense of the number of MS patients cared for by UI Health and maybe a little bit about how this program has evolved since you began it. Yeah, you bet. We actually started with just a few patients on our service, just a few prescriptions being dispensed per month. And since 2010, when formally rolled out the service to our neurology clinic, the MS program, we've increased to dispensing approximately 80 prescriptions per month. So that's approximately the number of people that we have on our service. The neurology clinic themselves, specific to MS patients, see probably about double that, so probably closer to 160 people that they have on their service. You know, we we rapidly grew. As soon as we started working with the provider team, they realized the value of our service, so continued to send more and more patients to our service. Well, you've already alluded to this, and the paper does a nice job of describing the integration of two facets of pharmacy engagement with MS patients, the direct patient care activities of a clinical pharmacist and the activities of a specialty pharmacy service, uh, which is a service among the whole array of outpatient pharmacies at UI Health. Let's take these one at a time. Could you describe the work of the clinical pharmacist in caring for MS patients? Sure, yeah. I can tell you generally, um, our clinical pharmacist, Dr. Mitra Habibi, does a lot. She's actually the clinical pharmacist that's dedicated to the neurology program. So she does much more even than just MS. But specific to the MS program, she spends a half day in in clinic every week with an attending. She sees patients face-to-face to to do medication education, training, uh, assessments. She plays a critical role in medication access, particularly with uh, some of the medications that cannot be dispensed through UI Health. She also does ongoing monitoring for adverse events, doing other interventions as well. She works also very closely with the nurse on campus to coordinate clinical calls. She communicates directly with the physicians if there are any challenges identified. And just recently, she took on a role, actually, with the introduction of the first oral medication to treat MS, uh, fengolimod, she took on a lot of additional responsibilities, and that's doing the pre-initiation screening and first-dose monitoring for fengolimod. She does that in clinic. Mm-hmm. The patient will present, and prior to initiating the medication, they need to be monitored with an EKG to ensure that they don't have bradycardia or AV block. And then she also 
educates patients ongoing, does labs that are needed. She coordinates follow-up appointments, and she also coordinates with outside entities if the disease-modifying therapy can't be dispensed by our program. Okay. Well, then let's transition from that to the specialty pharmacy service. You've uh, told us a little about that already, but could you elaborate on its engagement in the care of MS patients? Our specialty pharmacy service, we integrate and coordinate the clinical and the dispensing functions for specialty medications, such as the the disease-modifying treatments for MS. We perform the complex functions that are necessary to support access to specialty medications, which includes things like securing insurance coverage, doing training and education, doing ongoing coordinated refill medication, and of course, ongoing safety monitoring as well. So we do provide this service to the MS clinic as well as a number of other specialty clinics. The heart of the specialty pharmacy service is our call center, and the call center is actually staffed by a group of pharmacists, a group of prior authorization specialists. We have a part-time pharmacy student employees that also staff and accept calls for patients, and then we're also a practice site for pharmacy students and pharmacy practice residents. Well, now, some of the medications uh, used to treat MS patients are restricted in their access. Does that present any unique problems or, or uh, you know, things you have to deal with in this service? It really does. That's actually one of the issues that we're struggling with right now. Restricted access products do pose a number of problems for us. The first one is that we're seeing reintroduction of a lot of the same problems that the providers initially had in terms of accessing these products. They're becoming a problem again because the referral process that I described previously, specifically the MS support networks, that's a mandatory process for the restricted access medication. So first it needs to be referred to this support network who then in turn triages it out to a specialty pharmacy that's contracted with the manufacturer. Now, we have very little control over that process, and we're, again, seeing very significant delays in getting treatment initiated for these patients. And one of the other major, major problems that we've just identified is documentation problems related to this process, because oftentimes the referral that's being faxed out to the MS network contains a prescription on it, and oftentimes the documentation doesn't get to the EMR a newly identified issue that we've seen. Also, we have little, if any, visibility and communication from the specialty pharmacy for ongoing management. So visibility in terms of adherence is almost non-existent. We have a really hard time making sure that patients are compliant with their medication. And another problem that we've just recently identified is that sometimes medications continue to be dispensed from the outside specialty pharmacies despite the medication being discontinued or despite non-adherence. In fact, just the other day we had reported to us a a patient was using a self-injectable and had nine months worth of product on hand at home because it just continued to be dispensed. Well, and many of these problems that you're referring to um, must certainly be very frustrating from a pharmacy provider's standpoint. Is there anything you can add from the patient's perspective, the complications that are Yeah, from the patient's perspective, what we've been hearing reported to us is that it's very frustrating and it's confusing and they don't feel like they get the attention that they did through our service. In fact, we just had something come up very recently. It wasn't related to a manufacturer restriction. It was more related to an insurance restriction. The patient just found out recently that her medication was no longer available to be dispensed by our pharmacy. 
In fact, the, this particular payer had a contract with one specialty pharmacy and required now that she had this medication dispensed through that pharmacy. And just talked to her this morning. She found out that she is needing to get this product through an outside specialty pharmacy, is currently out of medication, needs to give a dose to herself this weekend, and currently doesn't have any medication on hand to give. And it's been a very frustrating process for her because she hasn't received a call back from them yet. Yeah, that has to be extremely frustrating. Yeah, and, and, you know, they also report things, they communicate things to the specialty pharmacies that don't tend to make it back to our provider team. Mm -hmm. We've unfortunately had things reported, or at least were verbalized to us that had been reported to outside specialty pharmacies that didn't make it back to our team. And they were pretty significant things that, that would have potentially affected the plan of care for patients. So I think communication has been a, a big challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, Rebecca, is there anything you'd like to add about the effect that the pharmacist engagement in this program has had on improving the outcomes of MS patients? Yeah, absolutely. We've actually seen a number of really valuable improvements in our patients. So one of the biggest things that we've seen is an improvement in adherence to medication. One of the more common measures of adherence is something called a medication possession ratio. And that's what industry and a lot of specialty pharmacies use as a measure. And in fact, in the literature, the reported MPR for adherence to DMTs is typically very low. So what we did is we set our benchmark to be relatively high, in fact, higher than what you would see reported in the literature. We set it to be 90% or above, and within the first three years of rolling out our program, we've met and exceeded that benchmark. So we've certainly seen a, a dramatic improvement in adherence to disease-modifying therapy. We've also seen an improvement in vaccination rates as well for patients that are taking DMTs, and this is done through an immunization initiative that we, we did through our service. We've also seen a reduction in waste because we verify every dispense prior to it being shipped. In fact, we don't ever autofill any medications. So we, we've been able to prevent shipments from going out when it was inappropriate for the patient. We're also currently in the process of evaluating patient-reported outcomes on efficacy and tolerability, That's something that we're actively looking at right now. What we've seen from our perspective is that we've been able to increase turnaround time, get patients initiated on treatment very quicker, and we've developed more strong and, and trusting relationships, not only with the patient, but also with the provider teams. Yeah. So quite a few benefits in this type of a service. Indeed, indeed. What can you say about the economics of this program? Uh, is it or could it become financially self-sustaining? Yeah, we currently are self-sustainable. In fact, the, the gross margin that we receive from dispensing the product through one of the on-campus pharmacy covers the support staff, and it also covers the cost of business associated with dispensing the product. So it is currently self-sustainable. One thing I will mention is this type of model is being threatened, though, by a number of factors, and one of them is restricted access. If you can't dispense the product, we have no other way of paying for the program. So restricted access products are, are certainly threatening this type of a model. Yeah, it makes one think that there should be an exception made for a service such as yours, where mm -hmm. you have very comprehensive pharmacist services. The patients are getting excellent care and are happy with the care, but then to have a restricted access situation imposed on this really complicates things tremendously, both from the provider and the patients. 
It does, because all of the safety mechanisms that we've put in place, all of the adherence mechanisms that we put in place are essentially bypassed by this restricted process. Right. And it's manufacturer restrictions that are placed on the medication and also through network lockouts through insurance companies as well. Right. Rebecca, as you and your colleagues continue to refine and develop your services for MS patients, what's next on your agenda? One, of course, is, is attempted to negotiate and get access to restricted products okay. and, then, and work on payer contracts to, to be included in the specialty network. But overall, our goal is to continue to improve overall patient care and outcomes and to augment and, and reinforce the services that we currently do provide. Some of the things that we're looking to improve are, of course, to, to continue to develop our clinical surveys that we do on a monthly basis with patients. We've been able to identify a number of interventions to date a number of interventions that have been reported to physicians, but I think that we can still continue to improve there. We're also looking for ways to continue to improve in compliance and adherence to these medications. We're also looking at doing coordinated medication management, so not just with the specialty medication, but all of their medications through one of our services and potentially even do coordinated home visits. Well, some exciting things on the docket there that uh, you'd like to pursue. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. <laughs> Is there any other literature that reports on this type of service for MS patients? Not to my knowledge. You have a first year then in terms of this publishing this article. Yeah, I think as far as what's been published, definitely. I know that there is a very strong movement in academic medical centers and in different health systems to create this type of model. In fact, we communicate with a number of different health systems that are currently in development or have already rolled out models to help better manage specialty pharmacy products. Rebecca, my congratulations to you and your colleagues on this excellent paper, and thank you so much. Thanks. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.